Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KBEL. A happy rainy Wednesday to everybody out there. Please be careful. I was kind of surprised with the heavy rain that I had to drive through getting here from Karen Crow. Uh, surprised there is nothing on the board like Mark mentioned. Uh, the most recent thing, a road hazard at South Magnolia and 15th Street. Uh, still on the board from earlier, a vehicle accident at Gilbo and Birch. So uh, with the rain continuing to come down, the radar not looking too promising for the Lafayette area, uh, please be careful on your drive out there. We don't want there to be any accidents. Uh, like we've said in traffic uh, reports before, the worst of the worst of vehicle accident with injuries, definitely do not want to experience that. Just kind of looking at the radar real quick, we've got some splotches, including some heavy splotches, in and around the area with what appears to be more on the way. Looking at the future radar, everything's kind of working its way to the east. So expect some more showers. Uh, there are some kind of hovering over Jennings, Crowley, and Rain right now that appear to be heading our way. So do be careful out there on your afternoon commute. 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the Joe Cunningham Show right here on KPL. And I want to start today. The show notes are live, but I want to start with the breaking news of the afternoon. The Federal Reserve has, uh, has substantially hiked interest rates again by, again, another uh, three quarters of a point. So... I need to stop and explain why investors are afraid. The, the interest rate actually going up is a good thing. It signals that there is potential in the U.S. economy. When interest rates are kept down, that means the economy is perceived by the Federal Reserve as very weak and it needs all the help it gets. The problem is that when the interest rate stays too low for too long, that uh, that plays a part in inflation. Now, we have years and years of artificially low interest rates coupled with the American Rescue Act that dumped trillions into the economy, made the inflation crisis a whole lot worse. The Federal Reserve really has no choice but to increase the interest rate. Now, here's the problem. Historically, when you raise the interest rate, you cause at least a mini recession. Raising the interest rate does cause recession-like effects in the economy. We've seen that historically. Here's what the Fed says today. Recent indicators of spending and production have softened. Nonetheless, job gains have been robust in recent months and the employment rate has remained low. Inflation remains elevated, reflecting supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic, higher food and energy prices, and broader price pressures. Russia's war against Ukraine is causing tremendous human and economic hardship. The war and related events are creating additional upward pressure on inflation and are weighing on global economic activity. The committee is highly attentive to inflation risks. The committee seeks to achieve maximum employment and inflation at the rate of 2%, over the longer run, in support of these goals, the committee decided to raise the target range for federal funds rate to two and one quarter to two and a half percent and anticipates the ongoing increase in the target 
will be appropriate. In addition, the committee will continue reducing its holdings of treasury securities and agency debt and agency mortgage, uh, mortgage-backed securities, as described in the plans for reducing the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheets that were issued in May. The committee is strongly committed to returning inflation to its 2% objective. Inflation right now is at 9.1%, so the Fed wants to get inflation down to 2%. That's the goal. And so you have to raise the interest rate in order to stave off inflation. That's just something that the Federal Reserve has to do. There's no getting around it. Now, Elizabeth Warren and some other Democrats and liberals out there are saying, we don't need to raise the interest rate. Too many people are suffering. What we need to do is tax the rich. Because no matter what, the solution in their mind is always taxing the rich. But the issue is that Jerome Powell is trying to play it both ways here. Jerome Powell, in a statement today, we're not trying to have a recession. We don't think we have to. It's important that we address this now. I do not think the U.S. is currently in a recession. He's saying this and also saying that he's trying to straddle the line between raising interest rates and the U.S. being in a recession because raising U.S. interest rates does lead to recession. He's trying to straddle that fence. It's all very political right now. The White House, as I mentioned, is going out and changing the definition of what a recession is. Traditionally, the definition of a recession is two straight quarters of a shrinking GDP. If the economy shrinks for two straight quarters, we are technically in a recession. And the White House is going out and saying, no, that's not the definition. The White House is saying, oh, there's all sorts of things we need to look at. And the media is following suit. Ben White, who is an economic analyst, a financial analyst at Politico, tweeted this out earlier. The White House is pretty obviously right that even two quarters of shrinking GDP would not show the economy is currently in recession. Getting people to understand that and the nuances of our strange, vexing economic moment is just really hard. That's what he wrote at Politico. One month ago, Ben White wrote this. I'm sorry to report that the conditions are ripe for a slide in gross domestic product growth that lasts at least two quarters, the technical definition of a recession. So even in June, Ben White was saying that two quarters of of GDP shrinkage would be a recession. And now he's going back on that. This is creating a problem for the Democrats. And I, I, I want to try to lay it out as clearly as possible. The Democrats want you to believe your lying eyes and more important, your lying bank account. And tell you we're not in a recession. That no matter what you feel in the economy right now, we're not in a recession. The problem is that the polling shows Americans already believe we're in a recession. Businesses are stopping their hiring because they think we're either in or going to be in a recession in the next 8 to 12 months. We'll be fully into a recession by that point. The mystical board 
that the White House is saying will be the ultimate determiner of whether or not we're in a recession didn't say that we were in a recession in 2008 until we were already a year into a recession. They delayed it. So why does the White House want us to think that we're not in recession? I'm going to stop here and get into it when we come back from the break. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation here on the Joe Cunningham Show, we'll take this break and we'll be back right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL and some breaking news uh, from PJ Media. Uh, this is uh, as of just a few minutes ago. Former President Donald Trump has announced his intention to sue CNN and other media outlets that defamed him and defrauded the public regarding the 2020 election. In a statement, uh, he says, I have notified CNN of my intent to file a lawsuit over their repeated defamatory statements against me. I will also be commencing actions against other media outlets who have defamed me and defrauded the public regarding the overwhelming evidence of fraud Throughout the 2020 election, I will never stop fighting for the truth and for the future of our of our country. So Donald Trump is going to sue media outlets to try to keep the stolen election narrative alive in the news cycle at a time when Republicans and Republicans have kind of moved on and are gaining ground in the polls with that narrative kind of being out of the picture. I question, I question the strategy here, but nonetheless, uh, let's go back to what I was talking about. The white house wants you to ignore the classical definition of a recession, which is two straight quarters of a shrinking GDP, a shrinking economy. If we have those two straight quarters, that means the economy is in recession. The U.S. economy is in recession. We do not want that. So the White House is trying to avoid saying we're in a recession by changing the definition. They want a holistic approach. In particular, the White House Democrats and the media keep saying, well, look at the job growth. Look at the job growth. Look at the job growth that we've got. There's a problem here. The White House want you to look at the job growth. They want you to see the job growth that we've had since Joe Biden took office. And really in particular press, the economy is shrinking for two cons- from the Associated Press. The economy is shrinking for two consecutive quarters would meet a long-standing assumption for when a recession has begun. But with the U.S. adding 2.7 million jobs over those same six months, economists say that wouldn't mean a recession has started. And it's true. We've created 2.7 million jobs as a country in the last six months. What those analyses are ignoring, though, is that we have over 11 million unfilled jobs in our economy. And we have people walking away from job seeking, we have people leaving the participation for the, the workforce participation. So while workforce participation is getting worse, technically employment's getting better because, hey, we're adding all these jobs. But we still have 11 million 
unfilled jobs. And it's a little bit misleading, the job creation. Job creation isn't always the best indicator of, of economic growth. There are a lot of people who created a lot of jobs in order to check off the boxes for their PPP funds. They were attempting to hire, never really hired. There are some people, and I know some of them, who applied for jobs and the jobs closed before anybody was hired. When you have 11 million unfilled jobs in the economy and you're only making 2.7 million, or you're only creating 2.7 million jobs, you're only filling that many jobs, you still got a major labor imbalance. There are 11 million jobs that nobody's taking part in, that nobody's getting a salary for, nobody's spending their salary in the economy to help stimulate it and fight off the economic problems we have. So it creates a labor imbalance in the country. So while you can say, yes, we've created 2.7 million jobs and that's why we're not in a recession, you've got 11 million unfilled jobs and jobs that are closing left and right. And you have businesses that are looking at having to let people go because of an incoming recession. And the Democrats really have no answer for this. Now, a couple days ago, I told you that Hulu, Hulu was not running Democrat ads on their streaming service. Well, they reversed that policy now. They will run the ads after getting backlash from the Democrats because, of course, they were always going to go back on that once the story got out. That was always going to be the situation. The Democrats, though, still need voters to show up at the polls. And there is a problem. The young voters that they are trying to reach right now are already pretty upset with the Biden administration and with the Democrats. Because the economies really kind of kicked their butts too. The Democrats have lost even, they've lost even young voters. Now the whole reason they want to put their ads on Hulu is so that it can reach young voters. But young voters are getting pretty burnt out on the economy. See, young voters, back when the economy was good, they were getting hired at part-time jobs with the $15 an hour minimum wage that Democrats had been pushing for. Well, now we're in an economic recession. And so those part-time jobs that are getting $15 an hour salaries... Well, business owners have to make a choice and they have two choices. Do these business owners, do these business owners hire somebody fresh to the job with no experience for $15 an hour? Or do they find a retiree or somebody who has an experience who wants to work that job, somebody older who needs the job because they're in dire straits, but they have experience, which would you hire as a business owner? You'd hire the experienced person 
And so young voters are actually getting turned down for those jobs they were getting pretty regularly when the economy was fine. And so now they're getting depressed and their rent's going up and their utility bills are going up and their gas costs are going up and groceries are going up. And so they're kind of turning away from the Democrats too. 232-1542 if you want to call in. Let's take our bottom of the hour news break and we will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Just real quick, uh, looking at the traffic board again, it is still raining. Looking out the window, still seeing the rain falling. And yes, there are some updates to let you know about traffic-wise. Uh, and in the past few minutes, we've seen a couple of... Ag- something else just pops up on the board. Yeah, it's, it's starting to get a little ugly out there right now. We've got a stalled vehicle on St. Mary Street in Scott. We have a vehicle accident with injuries um, on North University. If you're heading toward Karen Crawl, North University is just past the Wetlands Golf Course. Uh, you also have a vehicle accident on Southeast Evangeline at 10th Street, uh, keeping an eye on that there. And another vehicle accident in the last uh, 10, 15 minutes or so at East Fairfield in South Morgan in Broussard. So those are the accidents. Also have a couple of road hazards still up on the board. Uh, 100 Hillside Drive in Lafayette and Northeast Evangeline at Castile, a road hazard there. A stalled vehicle on mud as well. So please, please be careful out there. Uh, The weather still showing some storms in the area, and those are likely to continue. Uh... Pulling up the uh, the future radar again, things just kind of moving eastward, and there's some more stuff uh, further down, uh, I, further to the west on I-10 that looks like it could be heading our way. So please be careful out there. So with all of this recession talk, the Democrats are trying very hard to keep their base motivated. And I mentioned young voters; they really want young voters. They got mad at Hulu. Because Hulu wouldn't run their ads, and and Hulu is where young voters are watching TV right now. They're not watching live TV. They're not catching ads from live broadcast TV. So they want their ads in the streaming services, and Hulu has a lot of ads built into its platform. Well, there's a reason they need young voters. This is from 538. In 2020, around 60% of 18 to 29-year-old voters cast a ballot for Joe Biden making them the most Democratic-leaning voting group by age. This was in line with recent presidential elections, too, as young voters have been the most likely age group to vote Democratic in every presidential contest dating back to 2004. As a side note, though, they're still not a very active voting bloc because they have a lot going on on election day, school, social life, etc. Why have, however, young Americans soured so dramatically on President Biden. This group has shown the largest drop in support for the president. Here are a few ideas that 538 identified as the reason young voters are dropping their support. First, they are concerned about the economy, a major driver of disapproval of Biden overall, and about the direction of the country at this moment. But young Americans also have some concerns that set them apart from older Americans. They are particularly worried about achieving financial independence and other markers of adulthood, for instance. They are also frustrated with the Biden administration's limited progress on issues like tackling climate change, 
forgiving student debt. And it's also pretty obvious when you look at the Democratic primary numbers that Biden wasn't anywhere near the first choice of young voters in the 2020 Democratic primary. So his approval among the group may have been soft to begin with. Overwhelmingly, they voted Democrat in 2020, but in the primary, they were looking for different candidates other than Joe Biden. But wait, there's more. See, right now, the Democrats have realized, told you this before, the Democrats have realized they don't have a leg to stand on with the economy. They're trying the, it's not really a recession thing. Nobody's really buying it. The polling is showing Americans think we're in a recession. Therefore, whether the Democrats want to admit it or not, we're in a recession, at least as far as voters are concerned. But the Democrats have changed their midterm message once again. Abortion didn't stick. Climate change isn't really sticking. Gun control isn't really sticking. So they've got to, they've got to go back to the well. January 6th wasn't working, so they have to go back to something similar. From CNN politics, fearing a wipeout, Democrats try to unify around a single midterm messages. Republicans are extremists. Because Republicans didn't dump Donald Trump, because Republicans didn't shun him and kick him out of the party immediately, all Republicans are extremists. That's their message. At the same time, there's a story in New York Magazine and in Vanity Fair where reporters are complaining that Republicans aren't talking to reporters anymore. Despite the fact that the reporters are going along just fine with the Republicans are extremist line, they're curious as to why Republicans wouldn't be talking to them. Why Republicans wouldn't want to seek out uh, reporters to give comment to. Would it shock you? I mean, you guys don't want to talk to reporters. Reporters have called you, the majority of whom are Trump voters. They've called you ignorant. They've said that you're all racist. They say that you are gun nuts. That you are religious zealots. I think everybody, or just about everybody listening to this show right now, is at least center right. And therefore, you are the enemy. And so they've trashed you. Now imagine being a Republican politician. Why would you go talk to somebody at CNN, Politico, MSNBC, NBC News, CBS News? Why would you go talk to PBS? Why would you talk to ABC News? Why would you talk to any of these news outlets, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Boston Herald? Why would you talk to any of those media outlets? You wouldn't. If you were an elected Republican official who has been trashed by the media, especially over the last six years, you would absolutely avoid them at all costs. And that's what Republicans are doing. And the media is getting offended by it. Yet the media will turn around and agree with the Democrats' message that all Republicans are extremists.
the Republicans are not extremists. Yeah, I don't like what some of them have to say, actually, on some certain issues. I'm not always going to be on the Republican side, but given the issues the Republicans have been talking about lately, it's clear the extremists are the Democratic Party. And they keep going further and further left, but they want to convince the voting public that it's the Republicans, the enemy, who are the extremists. And yes, Republicans turn around and do the same thing about the Democrats. I'm not saying that it's only one-sided. But Republicans have a body of evidence to show that the Democrats have moved further and further and further left. And the Democrats' only point of evidence is Donald Trump. And they have to misstate the Supreme Court. They have to misstate what Clarence Thomas said. They have to misstate what other Republicans have said to try to make them out to be extremists. But you have an actual voting record from Democrats right now pushing through a contraception bill that would take away religious freedoms in states. Right now, they are still trying to push through a codification of Roe versus Wade that would allow you to abort a baby at any point in the pregnancy up until the child fully exits the birth canal. They would be more than happy to pass a gun control bill that takes all guns off the streets. All of them, including the ones in your home, locked away safely. But it's the Republicans who are extremists. And all Republicans have to do is gesture wide to the economy and say, this is what the Democrat leadership did. And the Democrats are furious. They need to scare younger voters with their ads on Hulu. They need to convince the voting public that the Republicans are scary extremists. But when it comes down to it, voters are frankly sick of the politics and they're looking around, they're looking at this economy that they believe is in a recession right now. And they look at the party in power and say, y'all ain't it. 232-1542. When we come back, I want to talk briefly about the state of play in the midterms, what we can expect to see in some of these key Senate races around the country. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Before we go for the day, just a quick look at the state of play for the Senate. Now, right now, the estimate is that the Republicans are going to take the House, probably take it by a dozen or more seats. We'll see on that. It depends on some issues on the ground. Again, is Donald Trump going to play a factor by announcing that he is running uh, for president before the midterms actually happen? That could actually have a negative impact for Republicans. But on the Senate side, right now, among seats that are leaning to the GOP or likely GOP, the Republicans would have a total of 47 seats in the Senate. And among seats that are likely Democratic or leans Democratic, the Democrats have an assured 46 seats. So there are seven seats up for grabs. Let's talk about the toss-up ones. In Georgia, the incumbent Raphael Warnock, but there's an interesting bit of polling. And if you go to kpl965.com, my buddy Eric Erickson was on Brian Kilmeade's show this morning and uh, spoke about 
the state of play in Georgia, the various races there, uh, the governor's race, the Senate race, everything there. And there's a bit of historical data to take note of. Historically, in these races, in midterm election years, the Democrats in the summer have always had a three to five point lead. But in many of these races, they've lost when the fall comes around. And the reason is due to Republicans not answering polls in the summer. They're working, they're with their kids, they're getting ready for school, they're going to school. Uh, there's all sorts of things that keep the Republican voters from answering polls. Democrats are more likely to respond to polling in the summer. A poll out today from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the main newspaper in Atlanta, has Raphael Warnock up three points, which is actually not a great look for Warnock. That puts him within striking distance of Herschel Walker. Now, you guys know I've been very bullish on Walker, but he's got a new campaign team. He's hitting the campaign trail. He's making media appearances now. He's doing a bit better. They've got a more disciplined team in there. And Walker is going out and he's identifying with uh with voters now. And he, he he couldn't just sail on his name ID like he did in the primary. He's actually got to hit the campaign trail now. And it looks like he is. In Arizona, incumbent Senator Mark Kelly is up for re-election. He's essentially unopposed. There's there's no there's no uh there's no challenger there. But when you look at the different Republicans in the race, the most likely victor here appears by the latest polling to be uh, to be Mark Brinovich, who is, I think, the uh, the attorney general for the state of Arizona. Most recent poll has uh, has Brinovich uh, only behind Kelly four points, and that could very well change in a state like Arizona. The problem is. There's a Trump-backed candidate, Blake Masters, who is currently leading in the polls and by a pretty hefty amount, but the most recent polling has him losing to Kelly by nine points. So the Republicans have to shore up their numbers there. In New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan, still uh, very unpopular, has a very narrow lead over... Uh, the GOP candidates, in particular, the narrowest lead comes from Don Bolduc. The problem here is that the Republicans haven't solidified around a candidate and they're not really able to run against Maggie Hassan right now because they're trying to run against each other. But she's not very popular. Maggie Hassan could very well be sent packing. Kelly, Warnock and Hassan could all be sent packing right now. In North Carolina, it's a Republican seat, but it's an open election. Ted Budd probably going to win that one. He is currently leading in the polls. It is a good Republican year. So North Carolina stays Republican. In Nevada, in Nevada, you have Catherine Cortez Masto, who has a fairly narrow lead over Adam Luxalt. It looks like with the Republican wave, Luxalt, Adam Luxalt could very well come back and win. He's down right now, but there could be a shift in the polling. Again, it is summer. In Pennsylvania, as much as it frightens me to say, this Republican seat could stay Republican if Mehmet Oz keeps on going. Right now, the latest poll shows that John Fetterman 
is up six points, but he had a stroke and he's not doing well in televised messages or on the campaign trail. All of a sudden, if you beat Warnock or Kelly or Hassan, the Republicans shift to having the majority in the Senate. That means you could lose Pennsylvania. You could lose Wisconsin where Ron Johnson may be in trouble. But you could walk away from this very realistically with Republicans having 53 or even 54 seats. Maggie Hassan can hold on. Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada could hold on. You may lose Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. But you're only going to lose one or two of those. And you have the potential for Republicans to pick up three to four. And that's huge. If you say that North Carolina stays Republican, which it will, that's 48 seats for the Republicans. If you keep Pennsylvania, that's 49 seats. You keep Wisconsin, that's 50 seats. Then all you have to do is flip one. You can easily flip Georgia right now. Herschel Walker becomes the 51st seat. You can easily flip Arizona, assuming the Arizona Republican Party actually gets their act together, which very likely they won't because the, the, geo, the state GOP in Arizona has lost its mind and are nothing short of self-destructive. Georgia's state GOP is actually the same way. Georgia's state GOP is led by uh, somebody that none of the elected officials in Georgia actually trust, and so they're running their own campaigns and not using the state, for, the state party uh, infrastructure. But you could very well see Ron Johnson keeping his seat, Mehmet Oz keeping the seat Republican in Pennsylvania. North Carolina going to Ted Budd, staying Republican. And that's at 50 right there. Then all you need to do is flip one of those four other seats. And they're all very flippable. I'm willing to bet that Georgia flips. As bullish as I was on Herschel Walker, I'm willing to bet it flips. And the others could flip just as easily. We're going to take a 23-hour break here on the Joe Cunningham Show, but we will be back before too long. In the meantime, stick around for Offsides, me and Shannon in. It is Remember Wednesday. Going to have a lot of fun on that one and with the topics of the day there. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And do check out the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You guys have a great afternoon. Stay dry, stay safe, and I'll talk to you again soon.